0: You are listening to the Stillbirth Matters Podcast, presented by the Star Legacy Foundation, a national nonprofit founded on the belief that every pregnancy deserves a happy ending. Visit us online at starlegacyfoundation.org.
1: My name is Lindsay Wimmer, and I'm the executive director of the Star Legacy Foundation. It's my honor today to be talking to Dr. Kristen Sharp. She is an obstetrician gynecologist practicing in Madison, Wisconsin. And we're here to learn more about her unique practice and her her experience with that, and also how she she came to be a a leader in, in this area that is so important to so many families who have experienced pregnancy loss. So Dr. Sharp, thank you and welcome. To the Stillbirth Matters podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me today. So
1: in addition to being a a very busy practitioner in in your OB practice, you are also a bereaved mom. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, maybe your personal experience and and how that impacted your professional path?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I lost my son, Caleb, um, June 25th of 2013. And Um, You know, at that time, I was an early OBGYN. I was just actually less than a year out of residency in my first attending job. Um, And, you know, until that point in my career, I had seen lots of pregnancy loss. Um, So I was, you know, familiar with it from from a clinical perspective. Um, but in Caleb's pregnancy, um, we when we went in for our ultrasound, we unfortunately saw that Caleb had multiple anomalies, both in his brain, in his GU tract, um, in his heart, um, and so then we underwent an amniocentesis, um, and which is where they can kind of sample his genetic material in the amniotic fluid, um, and unfortunately that came back with a really pretty devastating chromosomal abnormality. Um, and so then ultimately, ultimately, we lost Caleb um, at 20 weeks gestation um, in June of 2013. And um, I remember, you know, thinking when I when I went through that experience, um, like, oh, I got this, I, I know how to do this, because I've taken care of patients with loss before, um, you know, which was somewhat accurate in a way because I knew, you know, some of the things that I wanted to do to memory make with Caleb because I had seen other patients go through that. So, you know, I I spent several hours with him. We had a chaplain there. We had now I lay me down to sleep come. We did footprints. I mean, all of those things, which I think, you know, was great that I had a little bit of that background perspective, knowing um, that those were options there. Um, But it was really, you know, sort of in the aftermath of losing Caleb that I was what I was caught off guard about what pregnancy loss was, um, you know, and I had thought for years, having cared for women and families who've gone through loss, you know, the loss was the worst day of their life. And every day would be a little bit better after that, um, which I feel horrible for thinking that, <laughs> because that is so far from the truth. Um, but it really took me going through the my own loss of Caleb to realize, you know, grief is not a downward slope. I mean, it, slopes downward with time, but there's a lot of ups and downs and um, you know so as I entered in those those several weeks and frankly several months after his loss, um, and I was still struggling quite a bit, I, I was worried that something was wrong with me and um, really did not know how to navigate grief. I was unfamiliar with grief. Um, and so really that opened my eyes to this whole other aspect of pregnancy loss.
1: Well, of course, we're, we're so sorry that you um, had this horrible experience, and um, we, we I know many of our listeners can appreciate many of the emotions that, that you're describing, so thank you for for sharing, Caleb, with, with so many of us.
0: Absolutely.
1: What prompted you um, to start to focus on the subsequent pregnancy and the, the care that women receive after having had a previous loss?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it really again was through my my own personal experience of going through a subsequent pregnancy after loss. So um, in you know, late November, early December of 2013, I became pregnant with um, our now daughter Amelia. Um, you know, and again, I was totally unprepared for what sort of a mental roller coaster um, pregnancy after loss was. Um, so I also sort of learned as I go na- as navigating that because that totally caught me off guard, you know, as well. And it was really through just the loss experience with Caleb and then going through a pregnancy loss ap- um, or pregnancy after loss myself that I realized, you know, there is this whole other layer of care that we need to be, Mindful of and addressing and you know supporting families through um, because there is just so much more than just the clinical care of it, you know someone could have told me a million times over you know the genetic issue that happened with Caleb was the equivalent of getting struck by lightning, you know that the likelihood of that happening again was so low but my thought is like I've already been struck by lightning so what's going to prevent that from happening again um you know and so kind of living my life and going through that pregnancy waiting for the other shoe to drop was hard and exhausting and um yeah i mean so again i I just i feel so bad as a provider that you know here i provided care for a good five years to patients who had loss and had had pregnancy after loss but it really just took going through that journey myself to realize that there is just this whole other aspect of loss that um, we often don't address in medicine.
1: So taking a look at it, where your practice is now, we know that you you dedicate a lar- large part of your time to those um, subsequent pregnancies. And um, it's my understanding that this is primarily modeled after um, the what we have come to know as the, the Rainbow Clinic out of the University of Manchester. They're probably the most um, researched and, and published um, quote, unquote, rainbow clinic um, in the in the world, but I know that it's not, not always applied um, directly. So can you just describe a little bit about how, how your practice for, for those subsequent pregnancies um, looks?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the clinic that we have here in Madison is called the Hope After Loss Clinic. And um, so I obviously am um, you know, work in the clinic as well as um we have a clinical psychologist, Dr. Julianne's Zweifel, who also um, works at the clinic. And she has a, a psychology practice that's really focused in on, on pregnancy loss or um, you know, pregnancy after loss, postpartum mood issues, anything kind of pregnancy related. So she has been an absolute um essential part of this, this work. Um, and so how, how this clinic works is we really provide care to anybody who has experienced pregnancy loss at any point of pregnancy. Um, so it could be an early miscarriage, it could be a full-term stillbirth. We've also provided care to people who have lost a baby sort of within that first year of life. Um, and really the goal of the clinic is to provide a very personalized approach um, to their care. And so um, some of those services that we do, so we do a lot of pregnancy after loss work in in full scope prenatal care for that. Um, Additionally, we provide kind of consults and services while someone may be going through a loss or recently had a loss or preconception counseling for people who are considering becoming pregnant um, after a loss and want to you know, talk through things and come up with a plan and a strategy um, moving forward. But I think, you know, the ultimate thing, um, you know, to the clinic is that personalized approach, because I have found that you can take two families that had had a a loss at the same gestational age, same circumstance, and their needs in a subsequent pregnancy can be completely different. Um, So it really is not a one-size-fits-all, you know, care model.
1: Absolutely. So how has has this model um, been received by by the families that you care for, maybe by your, your colleagues?
0: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's the families that I've seen throughout the clinic, and actually I've seen a couple of pregnancies now at this point, because we went live in 2017. So I've seen families back for not only their first subsequent pregnancy, but their second subsequent pregnancy. Um, I, I think it's been received really well. We have gotten great feedback. Um, I think that this is a really great resource for colleagues as well as a place to send patients. Um, And and sometimes colleagues just send them for a one-time visit um, just to kind of help guide their care there. I have seen colleagues who've said, hey, you know, this patient, um, let's say her loss was diagnosed in my colleague's office and, you know, there is some anxiety and PTSD about going back to that physical space, you know, having that ability to send them somewhere somewhere else I think is a a huge resource. Um, And, you know, in addition to sort of the direct uh clinical care we provide in the clinic um yeah i've also made a point over the last several years of doing lectures i've done um, a lecture to my entire department i do resident education lectures we've done a parent panel to bring parents in who've experienced loss to talk with our residents so the work of the clinic really goes beyond sort of just the seeing patients um, part of it because I really wanna impact sort of the, the maximum change I can um, and affect patients who aren't seen in the clinic um, and the residents component of this clinic from the start. So I have a resident working with me in the clinic um, as well so that they can have exposure and and see sort of what these different types of care models look like with the hope that when they go out and graduate, they can carry that knowledge with them and impact, you know, positively impact more more families.
1: I love that you incorporate the the mental health element because I think anyone who has been in a um, subsequent pregnancy knows that, that mental health is just as much of a factor in in how they're feeling as, as the physical health.
0: Absolutely. And I think a big part of that too comes down to also preparing your clinic staff for those mental health um, and and increased anxiety aspects of pregnancy. Um, And so that has been a key component to really driving the success of the clinic now because I'm not the, you know, if a patient calls with an issue, I'm not the one sort of immediately answering that phone call. It's our front desk staff, it's our nurses. And so, you know, ensuring that they are aware of, of what the realities are of um of some of the, the pregnancies after loss and the anxiety that comes with it and i mean I, I tell my staff all the time you know for every one time a patient calls i'm sure that they're they have thought about 50 times um before they made that phone call absolutely
1: i think that's that's fantastic to really make it a team team approach so if someone asks you in addition to the um the the mental health component. What? How does this care look different from what they might get from another provider, or how might this care differ from what they received in their previous pregnancies?
0: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it depends on the circumstances, um, you know, the medical circumstances that um, accompany their prior loss. Um, so a lot of times it's that history that'll drive really that specific clinical care that we need to provide. Um, so that might mean more frequent ultrasounds during the pregnancy. That may mean um, what we call antenatal testing or non-stress tests. Um So it can be a variety of different things. And to be able to do that too, I really need to kind of work closely with our high-risk obstetricians that are um, available through my institution because they are the ones that are providing all that ultrasounds, um, a lot of the antenatal testing. So it really is sort of a team approach um, to be able to provide that care. Um, But that in and of itself too is really specific, you know, patient to patient, what, what those clinical, you know, needs are. Um, And really just kind of making that that plan I think straight off can be really helpful for people to let them know what to expect. But also having that flexibility to change gears, um, you know, to their changing needs throughout the pregnancy, whether it's something changes medically that we need to change our approach or something changes, changes mentally, emotionally, anxiety wise that we need to change our our approach again.
1: When you're first working with um, a family what are some of their their the most common questions or concerns that you have.
0: yeah so a lot of the common questions i'll get is you know what is the likelihood that this is going to happen again, Um, I think that that is sort of the the most common one. Um, You know, and a lot of it too is really having open dialogue and discussion of like what are your needs are now so first time I meet someone okay first pregnancy visit, you're eight weeks pregnant, you know, what are your needs now? Um, Because I think from what I have seen over the years too, I feel like people are a little bit hesitant to ask for anything extra or don't want to be seen as, oh gosh, I don't want to be a needy patient. I don't want to bother you. I always get that. I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm like, please bother me. (laughs) That's why we're here. Um, But, you know, kind of setting, setting that, that, expectation that this is a ongoing conversation and ongoing discussion on what um you know what what those needs are but really again to go back to the question it's sort of what are the the chances of this happening again and what can we reduce that i think those are the the two biggest ones and then you know some of the other um concerns or questions that come up particularly for people who have had later losses on labor and delivery sort of what does that look like again Going back to that place that can be very triggering and um, and really anxiety provoking so you know talking through that experience trying to prepare people as much as possible. Um, in the time sort of pre-COVID, I would um, oftentimes arrange a one-on-one tour with a family who've experienced a loss on labor and delivery with one of the nurses who does the tours, just so that they can kind of physically get on that space again um, before they go there to have their baby. Unfortunately, with COVID, that has gone away. But you know, sort of delivery planning is a whole other component, you know, of this care. Yeah.
1: So as I'm listening to you, I can imagine that we have many people from, from across the, the country saying, I wish she lived in my town. How, how can I, do I need to move to Madison for my pregnancy? How can I do this? So what, what recommendations or suggestions would you have to a family that, that doesn't, you know, know if a provider in, in their area is willing to specialize in this or, or what, or if, if that's even a, an, an option, but what, advice or recommendations would you have for them?
0: I think having really open dialogue with a provider early on about your history, um, about what your needs are in this pregnancy, and trying to find someone that's a good fit. you know, I think also too, something that may be helpful in figuring that out is if you have a local support group or um, a network of families who've experienced loss, kind of picking their brains too about their experiences with providers just to see if you know there's somebody that they can recommend who could be a better fit at really um, appreciating what those needs may be. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just don't be afraid to ask what you need. Um, because, you know, prior with my prior comment, I feel like a lot of times, once I present that as an option, they're like, oh my gosh, thank God that that is there. I've been worried about like, just, just be proactive and ask about it because other providers may be willing to provide those services, but they just don't know, you know, what you, what you need. So um, don't be afraid to kind of put out there what your needs are. Don't be afraid to try different providers too. You know, someone may not be a good fit and that's totally fine. Um, If you're contemplating a future pregnancy, that might be an opportunity, too, to do some preconception visits with different providers to ask them about, you know, what their care model, you know, would be. Absolutely.
1: And then the the flip side of that is if if a provider is interested in in pursuing this or they have a patient who has asked them about providing this, this type of
0: care, what suggestions or ideas do you have for them? Oh, that's a good question. Um, You know, I think, you know, dialoguing with a patient individually is sort of my biggest suggestion that I can make. Because again, you know, every patient is different. Um, I think there is more and more data out there about how to approach pregnancy after loss. Um, So really for providers, educating yourself, I think is is another big component of this. And I think we've come so far in how we, can provide care and pregnancy after loss. I mean, a decade or two ago, this wasn't even really acknowledged all that often. And so I think we've come so far and you know there is still so much, so much work to do. Um, my other suggestion for providers as well is know your local resources. Know what support resources are out there for patients, know what national resources are out there for patients, because not only could that be helpful in connecting patients with those resources, but there are a lot of educational opportunities for, for providers on all of those resources as well. Um, so I think that's another you know big component of this.
1: Fantastic. Well, I, I know I speak for for many, many families with. When I say thank you for really taking this on as as an important element of obstetrics care and being one of the the leaders in the United States in in really trying to make sure that this becomes a little bit less of a unique circumstance and, and a, a more common type of care that that can be provided for families. Do you have anything else you wanted to cover or or mention? I really,
0: um, I'm just trying to think. Um... Not that I can think of. I mean, I guess the other thing I could just think to add is, um, you know, along with sort of knowing what those resources are for patients, like knowing what your mental health provider resources are too is a big one. I was so fortunate when I started this clinic or even sort of in the, the Dreaming of this clinic phase to to sit down with uh, Julianne Zweifel, who I had mentioned as the clinical psychologist I work with, and really sort of come up with this really comprehensive kind of care plan. So I was so fortunate that she was already there in my department. She was a known entity. I had seen her when I go I went through my loss. So, um, but I know other places aren't you know as fortunate to have you know people like her or resources like her. So I think to you know knowing who can see patients or has a perspective or has a focus in um, in providing mental health care for patients who are going through loss or a pregnancy after loss is a huge is a huge component of this care fantastic
1: Well, thank you so much. Again, this has been Dr. Kristen Sharp out of Madison, Wisconsin, talking about her Hope After Loss Clinic. And we know that she definitely does provide so much hope for so many families after a loss. So thank you for for being with us and for all you do for your families.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's all for this episode of the Stillbirth Matters podcast presented by the Star Legacy Foundation. Contact us at info at to share feedback, request support, or suggest topics or guests for future podcast episodes.